Um, what I love about these goals, there's seven. And what I love about them, that it is actually something that are beneficial to us all. We're all going to benefit from them. Um, and they're all actually achievable by all meanings. Everyone can get involved. So what are these seven goals? Just really quickly, because um, I don't want to spend too much time on, on um, you know, repeating them. But just so you have heard it at least. So the first goal is to help people get relationally connected. Right? So really building relationships, right? The second goal is to help people serve others. Serve others in your life, really. Um, the third goal was to help people uh, really become spiritually mature and learn to self-feed, meaning we can nourish ourselves from the Word of God and can draw from it and live it and really build our lives from it. So it's not just listening or reading the Bible, but actually applying it to our lives, right? The fourth goal was to help people get a revelation of honoring God by returning the tithe. That's what we talked about last week. And today, we're going to talk about to help people be part of Heart for the House. Now, what is Heart for the House? That's what we're going to look into. <laughs> um, Hard for the house, how, how do we start? Basically, I think actually the, the, the title or the, the word or the phrase explains it actually quite well because it is an opportunity to express our heart for God's house. You know, growing up, I, I always thought that like um, the church was, uh, you know, it had, it had an importance. It, was, it made sense to me that as Christians, we're part of a community and, um, you know, come together uh, with this, you know, to pray for each other, to support each other. Um, but I think there's actually so much more to it. And that's what we're going to look into. And I'm so excited because to get a revelation of that changes everything. It changes everything for me. And what it is, is basically an opportunity, like I said, to express God's house. You know, last week we talked about the, the tithe. So just quickly, the tithe is returning 10% of all that we get because we understand everything comes from God. And by returning a tithe 10%, I'm going to say, I'm going to trust you, God. I'm going to put you center. And then with the rest of the 90%, it's actually up to us what we do with it. And literally, you can do whatever with it, <laughs> what you want. No one's going to check up on that. <laughs> also, no one's going to check up on the tithe, but I'm just saying <laughs> the 90%. It's a biblical principle, right? It's a tithe is a biblical principle to honor God. With the 90%, it's up to us what we do with it. And so, you know, Mark actually pointed to that last week. It makes sense to put some money away to save, to put some money away to invest, and to actually put some money away to give. And then um, obviously you have to live from it. You have to pay your bills and all that kind of stuff. So think about what do you do with your 90%? Usually we're going to give it towards things that we like. Now, that can be all sorts of things. It could be your kids. It could be a car. It could be maybe really your art um, or personal development or, you know, whatever it is but you're going to put it to what you like, what you love, what's dear to you. And that's great. Um, so the question is, how is it with the church? You know, is it dear to my heart? Then I'm actually going to put towards it. And so that's something I had to figure out for myself. But Heart for the House 
is really an opportunity to actually express a heart for God's house. So why do we do that? Because we have to 10%, we have to tithe. So with that, with the tithe, we actually can run our day-to-day, day-in, day-out building church on a daily, weekly basis to meet here. That's going to help us for that, you know. But actually, there's so much more to it. It's we can maintain it with it, but actually to see the vision that God has put on our church, established, hard for the house, really helps because it actually speeds up the work. And so I like to see it that way. It's an invitation, an opportunity for people to run with the vision, to say, hey, the vision of this house, which is to see a Bible-based, Jesus-centered church in the heart of Berlin, where we actually have an impact in the city that we live and we're changing people's perceptions about Jesus and His church, amen? So Heart for the House really helps us to see it established. You know, we've been talking about um, going beyond Berlin, reaching Warsaw, um, Prague, Eastern Europe, and what else, you know, who knows? The thing is, the vision is massive. But the provision is also needed, right? Like think about maybe you have a vision for your business, again, for your, fa- for your life, um, right? So you have a vision and it's going to cost you something. You're going to put something towards it because you actually love it and you're passionate about it. So I think all of this only makes sense if this comes from a revelation. Because if we're just telling people, it's not going to work, Right? Um, it's not going to work because you do it because you have to or you feel like you have to or you feel pressured into it or you feel talked into it. It only works because it's a revelation and a love for the heart, for the house of God. And so let's look into the Bible. Let's look into the Word of God. What is actually Jesus saying about the church? And I think it's very clear that it is not just a nice idea. It's not just a good idea. It's a God idea. It's something that Jesus said He would do, He would build, and it's the way He wants to reach other people. So ultimately, it's about people. Ultimately, it's about reaching more people for Jesus. It's about sharing, being able to share the message of Jesus Christ, His his love, His hope, His forgiveness to people, right? Um, So I want to start with this one scripture in Matthew 16 verse 13 to 19. And it says this, When Jesus arrived in the village of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, What are the people saying about who the Son of Man is? They replied, Some think He is John the Baptizer, some say Elijah, some Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. He pressed them, And how about you? Who do you say I am? Simon Peter said, You are the Christ the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus came back. God bless you, Simon, son of Jonah. You didn't get the answer out of books or from teachers. My father in heaven, God himself, let you in on the secret of who I really am. And now I'm going to tell you who you are, really are. You are Peter, a rock. This is the rock on which I will put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. Wow. (laughs) 
honestly, like I get shivers every time I read this because like, listen to this, this is incredible. First of all, it says, my father in heaven, God himself let you in on this secret of who I really am. You know, when we talked about social connection, we talked about, um, it's actually friendship. It's actually about letting people in. And so Jesus wants to be a friend to us, to let us in. And that is another example where he does that. He says, because Jesus is God, right? God himself, the creator of the universe, the one who can, whoa, he could <laughs> wipe you out in an instant. Sorry, I think I'm watching too many movies. <laughs> what I'm trying to say, he is the God <laughs> of creation, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He's all powerful, almighty. He lets you in on secrets. That is so incredible. And one of them is who he is. Jesus, the Messiah, and, and Simon Peter got it. And again, it says it's not something that was taught, even though teaching is good, but actually we have to grab it, catch it, marinate it, take it on and ask God to speak to us and give us a revelation of what He wants to reveal to us, right? And so He's giving an invitation. And then He says, I'm gonna put together my church. I'm gonna build my church. Now there's lots of great things you can build. Honestly, great things when it comes to, I don't know, even climate change and, you know, um, organizations to help people. And there's so many people that build amazing things. And that's awesome. And so we should, but let's not forget and not neglect what Jesus said he built. And we get to be part of this. You know, and this looks different for all of us, but all of us are actually needed in building what he said he would build, amen? So on this revelation, you know, he wants to build his church. And so I do pray that we're gonna get a revelation and we have never arrived. You know, maybe you, for me, like I said, I, I had, you know, always knew the value. There was a value in church and coming together. But I think over, over the years, it became a revelation and I'm still growing in it. And I, I just pray that if you don't have the revelation, you're gonna get it today. It's starting. And if you got the revelation, we're gonna continue to grow in it because we have never arrived in this. We can always grow in that. And I just got inspired by looking through the Bible of how people, God's people valued the house of God and what they did. And there's tons of stories. I'm just quickly gonna pick two. King David, he's a king. He's got a lot. He owns a lot. He's got power. He's got stuff, <laughs> gold and silver and it all. And he basically says, God, we need to build you a temple where you can dwell. You know, you lived in a tent because back in the day there was a tent and anyway, but he says, I'm going to build you a temple where you can dwell in. And God actually says, no, I don't need that because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm bigger than that. But David had it on his heart to build a temple where God could dwell in. And so he starts to work and he starts collecting and the people of God are bringing gifts and offerings and stuff, you need to build a temple. And then he says this on top of all of that in 1 Chronicles 29, he says, and now because of my devotion to the temple of my God, I am giving all of my own private treasure of gold and silver, silver to help in this construction. This is in addition to the building material I already have collected to, for this holy temple. So can you see his heart to build 
the house of God, to build the temple for God. He says, it's my devotion. And I'm not just going to let the people do it. It's my devotion for the temple of my God. And so I'm going to give from my own private treasures towards it. And another, another uh, uh, story. Um, in the New Testament, a widow in Mark 12 And this is what it says. Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple. Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this widow, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions for they gave a tiny part of the surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. She had a heart for the house of God, right? She, you know, being a widow at that time, it wasn't easy. It was actually threatening. And I think she just didn't know what else to do. And she just gave it a shot to put her trust, all of it, because where else would she have gone? put her trust in God and say, have it all, have it all of me. And you know, the fact is, the truth is, it's not about our money. It's about our heart, surrendering it all. God, you've got it all. So what is it that you want to do? Because all of me belongs to you, Jesus. So what is it that you want to do? And the thing is, a lot of people gave a lot, big amounts, but she gave little but it was given from a place of revelation. I'm going to put my trust in God. And that's what Heart for the House is about. We often say this, it's not about equal amount, but it's about equal sacrifice. It's about equal heart behind it, right? So I think this is really powerful. And I pray that we're going to be encouraged and inspired by the people and how they lift their lives and how they um, were generously giving towards seeing the house of God established. So as we bring this to a close, I just really want to encourage you with three things, super short. <laughs> But you know, I think Heart for the House is an opportunity for us to grow actually, to grow as a church in our faith, to grow as individuals in different areas. And so just quickly, Heart for the House can help you to grow in your trust and faith in God. And you know, trust is a big one, right? Because often we have maybe experienced where trust was broken. And I listened to a podcast by Brene Brown, who, uh, anyway, she's amazing. You just listen to her podcast. But she actually studies the anatomy of trust. So she actually studies what is that thing that builds trust. But she has this example of a jar and marbles. And as you, as you build trust, more marbles are added to that jar. And so you can see it filling up, right? By taking risks to trust and then trust is kept. But obviously also what happens is that marbles can be taken out. And I actually think trust can be broken in an instant. So it's almost like you drop the jar and it's all broken. Trust can, trust can be broken in an instant but it's built over time. And you know, I can stand here and tell you, you can trust God and I will, and I'm doing this because I believe it. You can trust God with your life, with your kids, 
with your finances, with your relationships, but you're actually only gonna know by taking to risk to trust Him yourself. Otherwise, it's just a nice story that you hear, which hopefully encourages you like these stories. But actually, you know, and so often we can feel like with finances, we have this almost, it's actually a false security. So when we actually take the risk to trust God with our finances, it's a big deal. And He's gonna honor that. But the only way you're gonna know that is by taking the risk to, to go for it. And so I do believe that Heart for the House is actually an opportunity. It can help you, every individual. It can help us as a church to grow in our trust and faith in God. Um, the second thing, Heart for the House, I believe can help us help you to grow in generosity. And I think Morris just referred to it, you know, that's really when the generosity starts. Um, again, tithe is returning. It's not even giving, but when we go beyond that, that's actually where the generosity starts. But that's obviously a lifestyle. That's not just when it comes to the church, that's when it comes to our lives. And again, think of people you love. It's probably easy to release. It's easy to be generous, you know, but um, when it's about maybe, I don't know, <laughs> people you don't like so much, or I don't know, what is it when it comes to church? You know, so it's not, it's not so much, it's a lifestyle. It's living generously. I think it even goes beyond finances. It goes about, it's, it's with our time. And I'm not saying to be wasteful or to be not uh, um, wise about how we use our time, but are we generous with our time? Are we generous with our smile? Are we generous with our uh, words to encourage someone? It actually takes courage. And that's why I believe Hartford House can help us to grow in our generosity. And so, you know, even when it comes to, to church and what you can bring, it's your smile, it's your faith, it's your prayer, it's your encouragement for someone you're gonna meet later or at the hangout, but it's actually a lifestyle, right? And just quickly, the third point I wanna bring is hard for the house, I believe can help you to grow in your understanding, to build for the generations. And I'm actually, the more I hear this, because we're always talking about that, the generations, we're building for the generations, the generations, and maybe sometimes like I don't have kids and sometimes it can be a bit like far out there, you know? But I've actually come to understand, it's not about me having kids, it's about building something that goes beyond my life building something that I can pass on to the next generation. You know, when it comes to climate change, I think we understand that because we can't just think in the here and now, we have to take action or we have to do something to pass on kind of what kind of world we wanna pass on to the next generation. And it's the same principle here. And there's actually tons of scriptures because again, it's a biblical um, principle. It's, it's what God is doing. He builds for the generation and He tells Moses and He tells Abraham and He tells through every generation. It's not just about you. It's about for who is to come. So just one scripture here, you know, in Exodus 3.15, it says, God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestor, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all the generations. In Exodus 20, but I lavish unfailing love for thousands of generations on those who love me and obey my commands. There is 
promise, there is purpose for the generations to come. And we get to build something that is outlasting us, our life here, hey? Amen. So with that, I just hope you encouraged, you can take something with, with you. And you know, if you have questions also on practical, we've got a great book um, that really helps you to understand the whole thing of tithe and offerings and giving and what does the Bible really say about that. But can we as a church just say, I'm going to take this goal on and I'm going to find out how I can be part of this and I'm going to ask God to get a revelation so we actually build something for the generations to come. Amen?